Hello and welcome to Riding Unicorns, the podcast that celebrates high growth businesses and the people behind them. I'm James Pringle. And I'm Hector Mason. And today we're delighted to be joined by Sam Louis from Angel Investment Network and now part of the founding team at AIB Capital. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today, Sam. Pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Awesome. So, Sam, maybe you could start by just giving us a rundown of your career to date and uh, how you ended up getting involved in AIV Capital. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a pretty interesting journey so far, which I think from the outside looks very eclectic and uh, sort of haphazard, but actually from the inside is, uh, is quite a bit more straightforward. So I left uni about seven years ago. I'd been working with a couple of startups. I knew I wanted to either move into the sort of world of funding startups or starting a startup myself. And um, while I was working for a couple of very early teams, found uh, the Angel Investment Network. They were looking for a, a new hire and I came on board to run the company's first accelerator program. So we raise money for not only startups, but also property investors. One of the property investors uh, that we've worked for had created a uh, workspace up in uh, North London. So I came in, ran a four month accelerator, had an absolutely brilliant time. I think I only had about a four month contract or something. It was a sort of like temporary trial run kind of thing. So interviewed about 400 companies got to pick eight of them. I have no idea what experience they thought I had to decide who was going to be in their accelerator, but they were just very open with it. Got all sorts of great mentors and founders that we'd worked with and investors in to do workshops and had an absolutely brilliant time. And it was great. Unfortunately, it was based in Islington and our HQ is in Southwest London in Parsons Green. So although it went really well and we felt like we got a really good fit on the model, we decided not to spend all of our time on the Victoria line anymore. And so from there, I kind of evolved into the team, spent a number of years as part of our broking team, but also working on the platform side. So as a bit of background, Angel Investment Network is a global network of angel investors. We hook up entrepreneurs with investors all around the world from angels, family offices, VC, private equity firms. And that works very much as a self-serve digital platform, like a social network. But within that, we also have a sort of hands-on team who do kind of intermediary services. So we actually go out, run a campaign on your behalf, connect with investors that we think would be particularly interesting, pitch it to them, and then make an introduction at the point that they're ready to have a real conversation, which is actually... It was a while before I understood this, but it's actually not dissimilar apparently to investment banking, but obviously just very different asset, which has been fantastic for the last sort of five, six years or so. Met some fantastic founders, met a lot of cool investors. Alongside that, we've continued to do the property on the side, very much the same model, very much the same group of investors. You know, all of our investors have a very similar uh, kind of a broad portfolio. Property is always going to be a part of that. So about three years ago, we decided to roll out as its own entity, give it its own brand, which is called Brick Tribe, which I led the kind of launch of the build of the platform, both with the AIN platform and with Brick Tribe. What I've always really loved is the fact that I get to sort of sit in both seats a little bit. I get to sit kind of in the investor role, interviewing entrepreneurs, but then the other half of my time is you know, working out conversion funnels, working out sales tactics, customer acquisition costs, all of these things that 
I then feel like I have a much more legitimate position to then go and kind of grill someone on their own metrics. And it gives you a real, you know, incredible sense of appreciation when you see someone with phenomenal growth and, and, and incredible, um, incredible metrics, because you say, wow, I know exactly how hard it is to actually nail that. Very glad to say is has steadily year on year built. We've increased the number of investors that we have on board. We've increased the amount of investment that we see coming through the platform. The, the intermediary service or the brokerage, as we sometimes call it, has gone from strength to strength. And then I now find myself pretty much the majority of my time now, really, I've very much evolved into AIV Capital. So Angel Investment Network generally works from concept stage up to about Series A. And AIV Capital is a Series B to pre-IPO fund. We work on a deal-by-deal basis. We look at later stage companies, larger checks, so generally 5 million to 50 million. And we work on a deal-by-deal basis. So we're not raising a big blind fund. We, much like we do with our intermediary work at the moment, we find interesting opportunities. We assess them. We do the real kind of depth of due diligence on them. We bring them out to LPs, have much more considered conversations than we do at the early stages. But then we actually create a single asset Uh, fund vehicle we take the capital into that and then we actually manage it as the ongoing custodian of that investment on behalf of the LPs we invest alongside our LPs um, and it's crew the aim is really that we're able to create this kind of cradle to grave almost value proposition whereby a lot of these businesses are now significant later stage enterprises raising later rounds and we've been there and we've been involved and we've kind of been part of their journey the whole way through so despite wearing many hats I've actually worked with the same team in the same space for uh for pretty much my whole career so far it's super interesting Sam so I mean you guys are pretty entrepreneurial in in what you've built and it seems like you've you started offering people founders value all the way through their journey what do you think it is that gets you guys access to these amazing deals? And what do you think is the value in operating through the value chain? So being active at the earliest stage and also being active at really late pre-IPO stages. I think the way that we attract people and the value that we built really is just long-term game plan. And that has been a big part of why I've not left so far, aside from sort of having constant new projects to, to keep me interested in. So we don't, we don't advertise the, the intermediary service at all. We don't have a website. We're actually considering building one at the moment, but up until now, because we've got this big platform that's global, if we then told everyone that we have a much more selective service, but where we do a lot of the legwork for you, as a small team, we just always felt that we'd be inundated. So we've really worked on doing good work for people and getting good referrals, good word of mouth. The vast majority of the um, companies that we work with in that capacity are from direct referrals, either from our investors who say, I love the the stuff that you guys do. Two of my other portfolio companies are raising. I'd love for you to work with them. Or it's referrals from um, word of mouth through founders that we've worked with. And that just takes time, really. But generally, we've got a freemium model. So you can go up, you can put up up a pitch, for free you have slightly less features but you know you can potentially access 250,000 
investors across 90 countries across the world and it will cost you nothing and you can put an advert up there that says this is who i am this is how much money i want this is my idea would you be interested in having a conversation and you can have a conversation with them and having that along with a money back guarantee so if someone doesn't get any meaningful interest we give them their money back and i think that whole ethos is ultimately flexible and works in the best interest of the entrepreneur with the intermediary service it's a pure success fee there's no exclusive there's no obligation to take the money to choose who you should be building your cap table with is like that's that's how that's how i'd love to see it go every time i'd love to see us overfund every single person and then then really pick the valuable investors that they thought were right for them because i think it creates a really virtuous cycle on both sides of, of realizing that like there has to be more of a value proposition and exchange than just a transaction of cash we've always tried in a sort of ad hoc manner to add more value so whether it's placing people for chairman making introductions at the later stages promoting impact giving people a heads up about property development all of these things started as like we can do that this person would like it it would provide value let's just bring it in and start running with it um and i think that Sam, you mentioned impact a couple of times and talked about the seed tribe and what that's working on. I appreciate it's not your kind of full-time thing, but what does impact mean to you guys? How can founders kind of think about positioning their business as pro-impact without greenwashing or overstating Mm -hmm. those characteristics? I'll, I'll try and do live credit here because that is something that we've really wrestled with a lot over the time. And she is constantly on the kind of forefront within that industry of, of really working out and then finessing and honing what that does mean. But I think w- what it is for us is where an intrinsic part of your business model, something that happens as a, a core byproduct or a core focus of you doing your job creates value over and above, has a, an, a, a positive impact on the world over and above just generating cash. We've loosely been guided by the UN sustainability guidelines, um, sustainable development guidelines, but where we sort of differentiate it slightly is that notion that, you know, it has to be fundamentally part of what you're doing. So if you are making trainers and for every pair of trainers that you uh, sell, you give a pair of trainers for free to underprivileged communities, um, that would not pass the test with us because as soon as your cash flow gets tight as soon as things get difficult that is going to be the first place that you look to cut weight do you think sam that there's still a conflict between impact investing and investing for great returns and not necessarily that in and of itself but in the founders who you attract if you pitch yourself as an impact investor i'm always interested to understand whether impact investors have a hard time convincing the very best founders to take their money over, you know, a well-known investor who doesn't pitch themselves as an impact investor. Interesting question. I think it it very much depends on, on who you talk to. Ada Ventures, for example, I think have really, really successfully presented what their mission is, what, what kind of vision they're aligned with. And I think that that has been a huge part of their ability to very quickly become kind of a a desirable name for your cap table and I think again 
much like on the company side for, for the investors it's it's have you actually built a genuine alignment with those values because i think if you have then people people respect that and they feel like it's it's an, a valuable addition to their cap table so i think great investors will always have a huge amount of pull and i think new investors who are really focusing on particular niches or particular kind of value statements if done well i think they will continue to to kind of grow in their credibility and their how desirable they are to founders but it it has to be backed up it's investing it's not charity and i think the same is true of investors it's it's all well and good to say that you have you know values and principles but if underneath it you just don't have the same experience and you can't provide the same core financial value in terms of you know i'm a seasoned investor i'm going to sit on your board the the good intentions in the world are not going to make you attractive to a founder if sequoia comes knocking and says we're sequoia james as you well know people building funds are founders too they're going through that same process and you have to get your product market fit you have to work out who your core demographic is and what it is that you're actually pitching them yeah, it's a really interesting discussion that we, I'm sure we could fill hours with, to be honest. Sam, just in terms of we want to get to know you a little bit better. So there's a, there's a sort of game we play with guests. It's the, the business lunch guest game. If you were to go for a business lunch with, with three people and spend an hour with them, pick their brains, who, who would that be? Wow, interesting. Right on the spot. First people coming to mind, I would say... Ray Dalio. Ray Dalio is a very successful investor over in the States. He built one of the most successful hedge funds in the world, pretty much from the ground up over the course of like 50 or 60 years. And having stepped back from investment, he has now worked to kind of bring all of his principles, both in business and investing in life and really start sharing them with with the world he's in the later stages of his life and he talks a lot about wanting to kind of give back all these things that that he's learned his company it was kind of is famously described as like the intellectual SAS where they have this real honesty principle where you know everyone tells the truth to everyone all the time and rates and reviews people in live time and meetings and things so he's really broken down the formula that he's worked on over the years that's been successful for him and, and how he's applied that and those principles investors for me that managed to bridge life and investment and kind of work out where those two things meet um, James I think it's something that you do really well of, of not just getting caught in like your investment tunnel vision when you're investing in things you are making bets on what is going to happen in the world and the people who can better understand how they feel those two things come together and actually use it to produce insights and, and investment theses, I think are fascinating. Okay, Christopher Hitchens recently died a few years ago, um, but he was a very sharp writer and kind of opinionist, if that's a word. And again, I think someone who had an incredibly interesting view of the world and saw the world very clearly and then was able to actually articulate that view very well and, and very very funnily in my opinion um and i think yeah again for both people for the same reason really is just 
spent, I think, spending time around people like that who build worldviews and, and constantly refine and update them and kind of report, not, not just refine them, but actually act on them, um, I think are fascinating. And then I suppose, I mean, in the interest of time, I'm actually just going to be really boring and pick Richard Branson because he just seems to have kind of cracked the whole notion of like being happy and being successful. And I know people who've worked with him and he does work, he does work very hard and he does work people very hard. So I think a lot of it is like, you know, that there's kind of two sides to the story. But I also seem to hear that he is the guy that has done very well and genuinely does just seem to be having a great time. Um, so yeah, I think to have an hour to pick his brain on, on how that actually works and where you draw the line and, and how you can delegate well enough that you can really have your cake and eat it, I think would be, would be pretty fascinating. There are going to be some big ideas thrown around at this potentially very intense dinner party. <laughs> oh yeah, it's going to be big. It's going to be big. Um, I'm looking forward to it. What are you serving, Sam? What am I serving? I feel like probably just like nice European, nice European fare. You know, those kind of bistroes things that you go to and you're like, I'm not really sure where this is meant to be, but it's pretty good. Um, usually some like sushi. Oh, they're going to love it. Yeah, they're going to love it. They're absolutely, yeah, those, those three, I feel like it's right up their alley. Um, <laughs> it's not about the food. You know, if anything, the food should be minimal just so that the, the chat can be maximum. Yeah, there'd definitely be an aura of spirituality around that table, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so, I think so. Yeah. Um, Sam, so uh, we're a little bit short of time, so we've yeah. just sort of scraped the surface, really, on, on some of the topics we would like to have dived into, but um, it's been great to chat, and uh, yeah, thank you so much, and good luck with everything that you guys have got on. There's a lot of spinning plates but I think it's really exciting to have an organization like you guys that is looking to have an impact at each stage in the in the growth process as these companies go from cradle to grave and hopefully become unicorns along the way and all of those lovely things so um yeah thank you so much and I wish you all the best with it thank you very much it's been an absolute pleasure thanks Sam great to hear your story all right guys all the best guys Great chatting to Sam, really interesting guy, could have spoken to him for hours. And yeah, if you're looking to raise money at any stage of your company, go and check him out on LinkedIn and get in touch with him. This week's startup spotlight is Narchi. Narchi is a homeware marketplace that connects buyers and sellers of everything homeware. It's been dubbed the Depop of homeware and given Depop's recent acquisition by Etsy, it seems to be in a very good place to become a big, big company. They've recently raised a large pre-seed round from top angel investors and are growing. Go and sign up today at narchi.com and reserve your handle. Thanks again for listening. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and catch us next time.